Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. The show with the host that puts on a costume and makeup to not look scary. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you uh, 100% pre-recorded because I'm doing this before I leave for Vegas. And uh, before I, and before we get started, just a reminder, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. So if you're not, go ahead, click it off. All right. Thank you. Uh, on this week's episode... Uh, we've got a uh, Ask the Tobacconist or Ask the Blender with Jeremy Reeves. My guest is uh, Fred Hanna, and this one is uh, inside Fred's head again. Uh, this is this is interesting. It's the 21st century pipe, so you get to hear that. It's just one full episode of Fred. Uh, Fred and I talking about the uh, you know, future of an archaic hobby that we love dearly. Uh, music for the holiday that's coming up, mailbag and rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, since we are pre-recorded, I'll just take this time to remind you, if you could, please leave an iTunes or Apple podcast rating and review. Those are much appreciated. And keep sharing out the Pipes Magazine radio show wherever you are. Uh, and the reason we're pre-recording is because I'm smart enough to know that, you know what? I'm going to take an extra two days in Vegas on the end of the show uh, just to uh, relax and unwind and, uh, you know, do a little bit of Vegas stuff. So that's why we are 100% pre-recorded. Uh, show recap? Yeah, I'll talk about it next week, I promise. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. Are you looking for that rare or favourite tobacco? Are you wanting to sell those blends or pipes you no longer fancy? Then visit tinbids.com, the pipe collector's auction site, and begin your search. Browse our ever-changing selection of fine and elusive luxury tobaccos, pipes and smokers' requisites, and bid on items in an exciting auction setting. Visit us at tinbids.com and sign up for free today. tinbids.com, the pipe collector's auction site. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us for Ask the Blender is the blender of uh, the head blender. Head blender. That's important, right? Right, Jeremy? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jeremy Reeves of Cornell and Deal. Jeremy, welcome back. Here is your question from Jay Everett. All it's, right. He says... Uh, I would indeed like to know how the blends I smoke all the time come into being. 
are there different folks who have a taste for the various blend families who come up with ideas or is it predominantly the head blender? If it is Jeremy largely, what are his preferred tastes and how does that steer development of the new products? So this is, the, this is really interesting because first of all, um, do you, do you at Cornell and Deal, you have different folks that work there that obviously enjoy different types of tobacco blends, right? Yes, that's correct. Um, but as far as, uh, as far as blend development and, uh, leaf selection and, uh, you know, maintaining old recipes or, or, uh, you know, developing new recipes that, that all is my purview. Um, the, the majority of the folks that work at Cornell and deal work in, um, a capacity of just keeping our products supplied on our distribution shelf. Um, and my job is, is not anything to do with that. My job is uh, finding the tobaccos that, that we use to make those products and making sure that all of the products that we make have consistent ingredients. Um and making sure that new products that we bring to market um, are are well developed, and so so any any new stuff that you see coming coming out, or you know anything that Cornell and Deals like releasing, those are things that uh, that I have had a work uh, a working hand in developing, and the other folks that work here have been putting together according to the recipe that I developed. So you are, you're the, uh, you're the curator of the museum as well as the creator of all the art. And then the other guys there are the ones that make sure that the art looks right and it's hung up correctly and it's all in the right place. Well, no, it's not to say that, I mean, we, you know, we've been around for 30 years this year. Uh, I've only been with Cornell and Deal since 2014 or uh, 2015, rather. So uh, we obviously had a lot of blends that were already a part of the catalog that I had no hand in in creating. So there very well may be things that... uh, that this questioner is asking about and there are certainly things that most people who know cornell and deal are smoking every day that the only interaction that i have with those products is that i'm keeping the tobaccos around to make them um but i didn't develop those things craig and craig and uh keith tony and uh chris and um and lots, lots of customers, actually, lots of, you know, Bob Ranowski was a, a customer of Cornell and Deal, who was a fan of Burley Tobacco, and uh, he bought Cornell and Deal blending components, came up with recipes, and then asked Cornell and Deal to produce them in large quantities for him. Uh, William Surratt did the same thing, and lots of other customers did the same thing. So there are a lot of different hands in play if you start looking at the, the totality of our portfolio who came up with it uh, a lot of times we don't even know how if you're working on a if you're working on a blend where you may not have as much experience with that type of blend 
in the in the vast empire that is Ladisi, will you reach out to somebody else that uh, that may have more experience in that area and say, "Hey, give me give me a sniff on this and see what you think." Um, yes, I definitely have uh, have a number of different folks that I regularly uh, run stuff by and uh, and inquire uh, with. And some of those folks are in in the company, and some of those folks are outside the company and in this industry. And some of those folks are people who have nothing to do with this industry whatsoever. It depends <laughs> on what I'm working on. You've got a secret tasting panel. <laughs> well, and you know, it's just good to know lots of different kinds mm-hmm. of folks who think lots of different kinds of ways about lots of different kinds of things. It keeps your, uh, it keeps the input that you're working with, the 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 data that you're working with, diverse. Yep. Do you look at so you look at your portfolio and you know the so you you've got a couple of aspects. One, you are keeping historical blends or pat you know blends that have been production for 30 years you got to keep those consistent so you're so you're constantly working to find tobaccos that will make that work right right and then when it comes to modifying or exploring new blends or variations of blends you may be at that point you know looking at a looking at a need on the market or an opening in the market and say you know we're going to look at this and try that right yep that's correct yeah so and then the other thing that i want to interject here because this was one of the most painful parts of my career in the tobacco world uh was just because i don't like latakia blends personally doesn't mean that i don't know how to review and make sure that a latakia blend is a good quality blend or that the mixture is working correctly yeah yeah absolutely yeah and that was the hardest that was a hard part for me was to separate you know jeremy reeves can only can really only like this type of tobacco blend personally when he's smoking for fun but when he's smoking for work he understands exactly what a good blend should be and what he wants that blend to what he wants the the pipe smoker to experience in that that's right, and I do have the uh, I do have the advantage of pretty much enjoying tobaccos from just about every every genre, if you will, or or style that mm-hmm. that you could think of in pipe tobacco. Uh, I've smoked a lot of different manufacturers' products across you know from Street Virginias to you know Goopy Aromatics to you know. Full English, mild English, middle English, uh, Balkan, Scottish, uh, crossovers of any of those that you want to think of a crossover of. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of different interesting kinds of kinds of blends out there, but I'm I've smoked a lot of different kinds of stuff, and uh, and there are things that I like and things that I don't like. And as a blender, the best thing that I can do is notice that there is a particular gap in, in a, a range or a selection of tobaccos, for example. Or, uh, you know, we, we want to do a limited edition and what, what haven't we done yet? Um, and come up with something that I personally find compelling and 
blend that thing, whatever that may be, to my tastes. And then from there, ask people if it also, you know, if it also works with what they're experiencing, if, if they also enjoy it. And, uh, you know, but I, I, yeah, I enjoy a lot yeah. of different kinds of tobaccos. And so, you know, I don't, I don't always smoke English. Um, I, I primarily smoke Virginia and Virginia Preaks, but I occasionally smoke, uh, smoke a Latakia blend here and there and I enjoy them and I enjoy a number of different styles of Latakia blends. Uh, I know I enjoy a lot of different aromatics. Um, so, so I try and just, you know, like I say, keep my, keep the input that, uh, that I have available to me diverse and, uh, try and blend things that appeal to me and that I find interesting. And, and so far, uh, I've been able to do that and also develop things that other people found interesting as well. And then of course you annually try to figure out how can I make the Carolina red flake with Perique or just the straight Carolina red flake even more enticing to Brian so that Brian spends more of his children's inheritance on it and has more tins of it sitting here instead of, you know, my kids being able to, you know, send their children. <laughs> I didn't to, realize that we hit, I didn't realize that, uh, our, our marketing approach it was so transparent, but yeah, we do spend an inordinate amount of time thinking, will Brian likes us. Yeah. So, so on that note, uh, thank you to, uh, Jay Everett for sending that in, uh, Jeremy, thanks for, thanks for coming on and thanks for a really honest and open answer to that too. Absolutely. Thank you. We'll be back in just a minute. This is internet radio for over 150 years. Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning to managing our store to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mila Folge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and this is a um, this is a special edition of uh, Inside Fred's Head, or uh, two doctors dissing on pipes. And I guess Fred, it should be three doctors because you have a a real PhD from one of them universities, and you're a doctor of pipes, and I'm only just a doctor of pipes, so I'll just sit here and listen. Uh, but uh, Fred, Hannah. Welcome back to the show. And this one, this is your, uh, th this is kind of your special discussion. So why don't you introduce it and take over and I'll take a nap for the next 20 minutes. Well, don't take a nap. Oh, okay. Brian, be because I'm going to need you to put me in my place and to properly criticize my ideas. So I don't start to get, uh, you know, when you get inside Fred's head and Fred has a big head, that ain't going to work at all 
I so, you are so easy. I could do that in my sleep. But go ahead. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> That's comforting. Um, so anyway, here's my idea, Brian. I am. Um, I've been thinking about you know our hobby, like we all do, mm-hmm. and it hit me that we actually practice an ancient, um, an, an ancient ritual and um, activity in pipe smoking, and it goes back all the way. Really, it's in what we do is really a 19th century practice. Okay. Yeah. Um, because you know, briar. They say that we started using briar in pipes uh, somewhere around 1835, or it depends who you read. But um, it's a 19th century activity. It's a 19th century device that's essentially unchanged from the uh you know the 1800s yeah and of course we have you know modern renditions of pipes and how they look so beautiful but essentially the instrument itself is unchanged and of course smoking something out of an instrument goes all the way back as we know um into Native uh, indigenous um, practices, especially in Minnesota, where they used to smoke tobacco out of pipestone or catlinite um, that they would literally mine and use in various ritual pipes that they would make. But the basic idea, and I don't want to make this about history, I want to talk about the future, and Basically, what can we do if we were to apply 20th century, sorry, 21st century ideas to pipe smoking? What would a pipe look like? So are you, you, wait, are you talking about, first of all, let's do some of this history just so that people get the numbers. Uh, Sure. Missouri Meerschaum has been around for 150 plus years. The same company. Uh, technically, I guess briar pipes were in St. Claude, France in the 1860s, somewhere around there. Is that, that's or 18 or possibly 1835. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, cl- before that it was clay porcelain and, uh, and Meerschaum were the, were the three primary things. And then you had the stone pipes. So, I mean, you know, clay and porcelain go back to the 15th, 16th century. Don't know when Meerschaum showed up, but I'm sure, you know, some, you know, maybe the knights on the last crusade were romping and pillaging through what's now Turkey and said, oh, look at this white stuff. Let's smoke something out of it. Um, Right, right, right. So, but that, and then technologically wise, I mean, the only thing that's really kind of changed in the last whatever years, and we'd have to find somebody smarter than me, is when did, uh, you know, when did we switch from... Uh, switch the stems over to to vulcanite and then ebonite because other than that i don't know of any other part you know maybe delrin is delrin's a relatively new thing but that's a minute part of the pipe for most pipe makers but you're right everything this is an antiquated uh it's an antiquated hobby that we love and we think about 24 hours a day yes and um Obviously, it's just as fascinating to us now as it was then. Uh, I'm going to add a few ideas based on modern technology 
um, that may be able to enhance um, a pipe in a profound manner. And I don't say that lightly, but let's get through all of this, and then you can give me your take on this, Brian. I, um, you know, of all the people in the hobby, I want to hear your take on this. Um, and remember, I just want to inform our audience, these are ideas. There are no plans in uh, the immediate future. Um, it would be really cool if somebody did examine the ideas here uh, for some sort of future pipe. But the more I started to think about it, the more I thought to myself, damn, I'd like to have one of these 21st century pipes. So let's get into it so without any further, yeah. further ado. But basically what um, you're saying, basically what you're saying here is that these are not trademarked or patented. People are free to steal the ideas because you're an academic and I'm lazy and we don't want to actually execute them. Oh, Brian, you are so insightful, my friend. Okay, go um, ahead. That's, you nailed it. All right. <laughs> um, so, okay, so let's first of all forget about the idea um, uh, that, and just assume, let's keep, stay with the idea that there is a substance to smoke out of, um, and there is, uh, and that the predominant form of, uh, smoking material is, uh, briar. Yeah. And we're going to move away from that for the sake of our discussion. And we're also going to, um, you know, recognize that we're still talking about basically two holes in the pipe, one through the shank and stem and the other, you know, in the chamber. But we're going to talk about how modern technology can alter how we see these things. So let's go through this. And I ask the reader to wait until I get through all these ideas and then we can pick them apart or add to them or whatever the case may be. Um, first of all, one of the things that we can do with 21st century uh, technology is that we don't have to become dependent on Briar anymore. We can actually use 3D printers to use um, various kinds of substances that we can experiment with endlessly to determine an actual um, substance that we can shape into pipes with 3D printers. 3D printers, we know, um, can be used to make just about anything. And what that 3D printer would have to do in our case is make something absorbent and heat um, dispersing or heat absorbing or both, preferably both. And also something that is fire resistant and the um the key here was that we could endlessly experiment with 3d printers and find out what it is that would be the ideal material which uh, if you pardon my saying so is yet to be discovered now briar is wonderful we all agree on that yeah. There are still people out there who say that Meerschaum is superior to Briar. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I have no problem with that. I get a good smoke out of Meerschaum. I prefer Briar because 
Um, in my view, Briar adds qualities to the smoke that Meersham does not. Well, and you're addicted uh, can, to your straight grains, so you know that that automatically. Find, yeah. yeah, it's hard to find a straight grain meerschaum, and if you do, I don't think you'd want to smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but <clears throat> so, the whole idea of the 3D printer also allows a person to make a pipe uh, on demand in whatever shape they want. They can control the thickness of the walls. They can control the um, length of the shank. They can control all kinds of uh, um, essential elements and drilling in that particular pipe. So that's a very, very important thing. Now, if I do have a 3D printer, that means that I can control the actual construction of the pipe to include, you ready? Yeah. A 360-degree screen around the pipe that can display bird's eye. This is a high-tech screen, obviously high-resolution screen and from computer technology. Uh, a high-resolution screen that can display bird's eye, straight grain, flame grain, and no grain. And with the touch of a button, what kind of a button? I'll tell you why. Because this, this same pipe would be controlled by an app in your phone <laughs> where, where you could control the grain. Um, and through that app, you could control a variety of other uh, uh, properties, which I'll get into in a moment. But the thing is, is that we can control how that pipe looks. So if I want, um, feel like smoking a straight grain, I can just literally um, set it in my app and all of a sudden, voila, perfect straight grain or perfect bird's eye or whatever. Just, you know, eyeball rocking, um, you know, stunning. That's one of my favorite words to be made, by the way. <laughs> the word stunning. Um, and we're not talking about eBay straight grain here where you just got two strands on the side of a bowl and all of a sudden it's 360 degree straight grain. That is a joke, um, a sad one. No, man, we're talking about being able to set the grain according to the user's fantasies or preferences. All right, hang on, hang hang on a second because we're well. First of all, before we before we go to the break, which I need to, uh, I'm also thinking that we could program that LED screen to have a picture of Fred Hanna on both sides, and as the flame hits your head, little fl you know flames would start coming out of your head, and as the bowl burned down, your face would just burn, your head would burn off, right? You know something, Brian? You are a tremendously creative person. Um, <laughs> so you have you have an incredible imagination that I somehow I think your talents are wasted. Um, so on that on that on that note, wait. Let me let me. Uh, we'll we'll go to the commercial break. When we come back, we'll have more with um, okay. <laughs> well more with Fred with Fred's twenty first century pipe and his burning head. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? 
or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show with uh, Double Doctor, Fred, Hannah, and uh, me. And uh, Fred, all right, we've burned your head. So, all right, LED screen. All right, what else you got? Well, it's funny that when you say that, um, see, one of the things about that, that uh, screen that could be done is to show precisely on the screen where the tobacco is burning. Ooh! so you would never have to be in doubt because there would be highly sensitive um, heat sensors inside of uh, the pipe, which would be able to tell exactly where the pipe is burning now and it's the hottest. And it can, in fact, give an entire range heat range that shows the smoker exactly, um, you know, where the the fire is in the wood all the way around the bowl now so, you know sometimes we have a bowl that's burning hotter in the front or on the sides or whatever we no longer have to guess at that by looking through our ash we can now have it as a readout right there on the screen which is now on the pipe itself now i've actually had discussions about an idea similar to this back in um, 2009, 10 with my father-in-law who was involved in RFID technology and the, and the original GPS systems going, going way back to the seventies. Uh, but embedding an RFID chip on the inside of a pipe that would, that chip could count how many times it got heated up. And then you could tell if somebody had smoked a pipe and how many times they'd, they had smoked a pipe. And if you put a little thermostat in it, you could tell how hot the pipe got inside. So I was looking at it from a manufacturing standpoint to see if somebody was abusing the pipe or, uh. you know, or, or then proving that whether or not the pipe had been smoked. Because oftentimes we might see estate pipes that look very 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 new but the, the devil's in the details and somebody may have done a real good restoration on it and yet it might have been smoked so anyway yeah yeah so okay that's so that's another aspect of it here's another idea we have depended on matches and lighters um since time immemorial mostly matches of course in the 19th century we now have lighters but even the lighters we use are not modern technology because you can't use a torch lighter 
in a pipe unless you don't give a shit about the pipe <laughs> and you just want to toss it yeah. um, at the end of the smoke. But we don't use torch lighters. We use those uh, ancient quartz flames. Um, well, how about this? In a 21st century pipe, there would be the capacity built into the pipe by the um, the the 3D printer so that you could press a button on the stem and have the pipe relight or to light at any point in the uh, bowl. And you could control literally how much flame and even where the flame would come from if you uh, so chose but that the pipe itself could actually be also a relight mechanism doing away with the need for matches or lighters. Damn. Well, what am I going to do with all my Jeep lighters then? <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, I have more lighters than I care to mention. Um, and all my fancy Dunhill lighters and, you know, all of these, but, you know, let's face it. At some point, everything becomes an antique, and, except for you, Brian. Except okay. for you. I was, so, was going to say, we all end up as buggy whips. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so, okay. Uh, should I go on? Yeah, please. Okay, so these this pipe is not only self-lighting, and um, the, uh, the appearance of the pipe is also at the uh, user's discretion. Um, and not only that, um, it also, like I said, gives a uh, show on your, your phone app where the flame is um, taking place. By the way, that can also show... Um, where the if the pipe is going out or not, if you just want to give that button a quick tap on the shank and then voila, um, you got a quick jolt of heat that keeps the pipe going. I know that there are some people who are obsessed with having a one match light, um, one match bowl. Uh, I'm not one of those, but I know a lot of people do it and i'm not criticizing it it's just for fun i'm sure um but on the other hand um this would be um ideal for solving that kind of a problem now another aspect of the 21st century pipe um would be able to uh adjust are you ready yeah. adjust the draft hole oh oh you all right yeah i'm with you yeah so this could be in the stem or in the shank. Now, remember, I'm suggesting these things. I don't know how this could be done in most of these cases. But, um, hey, you know, this is what uh, speculation and uh, new ideas are about. So let's just give it a run and see where we end up. The point here is that... Uh, let me make reference to the long-standing argument um, that Rick Newcomb has been talking to us about for at least 22 plus years. Um, and uh, that has to do with a wide draft hole. Yeah. And he likes his draft holes to be 
around 4.5 millimeters. And uh, most of us, we don't like them that wide, but we don't like narrow draft holes either. And so the service that Rick has done for us, I believe, is that he has made us aware of the various uh, effects of a wide draft hole versus a draft hole that is too tight or what's the ideal i think the ideal is for the smoker so what so would we be able to uh modulate the size of the draft hole during the smoke so that we might get a different oh now we're talking baby yeah that that could be done on the app and there would be a little mechanism that can literally um (laughs) and and flawlessly become make the draft hole wider or make the draft hole smaller so far i'm just doing math in my head and so far this pipe weighs about 17 pounds because of all the mechanism (laughs) and batteries inside of it but yeah keep going (laughs) (laughs) um like i said brian your level of insight is actually intimidating. Anyway, um, so I, so anyway, so yeah, we have the ability to um, adjust um, the size of a draft hole. Now, see, sometimes the size of a draft hole is dependent on the shape of the chamber. So if a person has mm-hmm. a conical chamber, for example, it might be... Uh, a better the the pipe itself might actually smoke cooler with a draft hole that is slightly larger or smaller according to um, what the pipe smoker prefers. Well, wait a second, and Fred. This, since we're since we're since we're able to adjust the size of the draft hole in this thirty-eight pound pipe, uh, <laughs> why couldn't we also have the pipe have a an adjustment setting for the size of the, the size and shape of the tobacco chamber so that we could modulate that as going. well. Okay. Just a, as always, you're always a little ahead of me. That's Brian. what, that's what I your wife you're said. Happy with yourself well, that's what your because... wife said too, but go ahead. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah, well, I know that, uh, my wife has a wonderful sense of humor Every time she looks at me, she laughs her ass off. Yeah. So anyway, the the point here is that you can adjust the shape of the chamber. Some people actually like a V-shaped chamber or mm-hmm. a conical chamber. Other people don't like that at all. They like a U-shaped chamber. Other people like a combination of the V and the U-shaped chamber. But with this and the... Um, you know, the glorious pipe app. Yeah. We can control the actual shape of the chamber because the material itself that comes off the 3D printer doesn't have to be organic. All it has to do is absorb heat and, um, and, and smoke cool and have a decent flavor. And that's really all we're trying to do here because that's all a great pipe does anyway. So think about this, Brian. Is this going to be expensive? Well, of course it is. The first but one the first that, one's going to be $2 billion. The second one will be... 
really but I, i'm um, actually i'm actually thinking i also want to add in something and i don't know if i'm jumping ahead again because you know i am faster than you are and that's <laughs> something that my yeah. you know talk Please about do. talk about wives um <laughs> oh, uh we could also put so on my on my air cleaners here in my in my smoking room where I record the show, uh, they have little odor sensors. So we could also put a little passive sensor that's in the shank somewhere that would detect when there is the most amount of flavor or aroma coming through it and would optimize the flow and the heat and everything and the diameters to make sure that that optimal amount of aroma is coming through that passive sensor wow did I, I like that did i just did did we just hear fred's head explode no no fred's head is still intact but it's feeling pressure okay it's feeling the pressure here brian okay i mean you um, know most people use use their tongue to figure out if we're getting the right amount of flavor for through it but now we have this new 21st century pipe that tells us when we're getting the most flavor uh, yeah, and of course that um, stirs up some ancient controversies that we won't go into. Um, <laughs> I know but you, the uh, the psychologist in you says all flavor is in your head; it's not in your tongue or your nose or wherever. So, well, see, no, actually, no, it doesn't say all flavor. I say it depends because there is a flavor out there. Uh, it's just that people perceive it differently. And but the flavor is there. I mean, I think we've mentioned before, you know, that um, if you have a pipe and it tastes like shit and you can't believe it, which has happened to me and I can't believe how bad it is. I give it to my friends and they say, oh, man, this tastes like shit, too. Or sometimes they say, wow, this is a great pipe. Yeah. But but very often they also agree. Um, I could tell some stories, but it's off the off the point. Or you also have a friend who gives you a red Sato pipe and says this pipe smokes your smokes Virginia sweeter than any other pipe, and you try it and you're like, holy shit, it actually does. Exactly. See, now that's no longer subjective. That is an objective um, experiment. Yeah. Right. So, anyway, um, another thing that would be. Uh, uh, part of this pipe is that the user can configure or shape the button of the pipe so that it's perfectly comfortable in the mouth. So you'd have and, little, you know, it'd be like an airplane wing where you'd have little flaps that would go up or down or expand just based uh, off of the comfort <laughs> of your mouth. I, I confess that idea did not occur to me. Um, I encourage you to follow that to your heart's content. I ain't going there. Um, but the idea is that we have some control. Now, you know, I've heard people argue endlessly, um, you know, did they like uh, the buttons that Paul, Paul Ilstead makes or Renner Barbie or Bang or uh, Wolfgang Becker, for example. They like the, the you know, the shapes of the buttons and how the buttons are drilled too, as far as that goes, usually yeah. a good pipe maker will include a, what we call a slot mm -hmm. instead of just a simple hole there at the button where the end of the, uh, where the pipe actually 
the smoke actually enters the pipe smoker's mouth. Maybe that can be controlled, too, with the app. I don't know, as long as we have ideas. What we're doing here is we are taking a lot of the dependence away from the uh, relative helplessness that we have when we buy a pipe, and we're putting much more control into the hands of the smoker. Yep. And the, and you're putting pipe makers out of business because with all these abilities to modulate and change and alter this pipe, you really only need one pipe at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah, you only have. Now, it depends, of course, what shape you want because, you know, guys like various shapes. And so I guess in, in maybe in the 22nd century, they can actually use the app to change the shape of the entire pipe huh. from, you know, from Umpal, for example, all the way to uh, a straight uh, Canadian or Lova. So, but I, I can't envision that. So I didn't include that in the discussion, but hell, why not? Yeah. You know, ideas are cheap. Now, here's the other thing. Is this going to cost money? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But think about this. And no offense to anyone, of course. <laughs> People will pay $3,000 plus for a Sixton Everson pipe. No disrespect to anyone because, you know, let's face it, sometimes we buy pipes and their smokability is not an issue. And people will sometimes pay $3,000 for one of these pipes. And all it is really is just a collector's piece, hey, which, hey. of course, is fine. I mean, Tony Soderman told me he owned a, a, a shotgun once that he sold for $45,000. Um, but Tony, so, Tony's know, a, Tony's, Tony was a lawyer, rest his soul, so you can't trust most of what he said. Oh, oh, oh. Um, yeah, that makes that brings to mind a few lawyer jokes that I don't want to repeat. But anyway, <laughs> um, I love Tony like a brother. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, if somebody's willing to spend three thousand or much, much more for pipes, um, you know that you know there's a lot of pipe makers, including in America, that make four thousand dollar plus pipes. Um, so, what is the difference in ultimately? Well, you're still not sure what that briar is going to taste like because, I mean, you have a pretty good indication, but there's still no absolute certainty. But with the 21st century pipe, you got pretty close to complete certainty on how that pipe is going to smoke, seeing as how the smoker has a great amount of control over the desired product. Absolutely. You know, in reality, I'm wondering why a pipe, you, you could do, uh, you know, you, you could do little bowl sleeves that might go inside the bowl and narrow the chamber. You know, you could do those out of, uh, with modern, with current technology without spending $87 billion on your 220 pound pipe that you've made here. <laughs> um, you, you could build little carbon, you know, little sleeves, kind of like, kind of like the pipes were Meerschaum lined in the past. You could build yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You could build briar yeah. bowl sleeves. You could also, as long as, those sleeves, as long as the sleeves fit. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that it would be something that the pipe factory or maker would have to add, you know, add as an add-on item. Uh, but you could also say, you know, all right, so let's say we start out at four and a half millimeters in the draft in the shank for the draft hole, and it narrows down to three point eight in the stem. You could also make sleeves that would fit in that and narrow that down. Although you wouldn't get the real taste of the wood because then you'd be sleeving the the shank, but you could put a, a you know a three quarters of a mil three quarters of a millimeter thin sleeve down there, and that would narrow the draft hole down. So you could, no so, doubt. So some of your cockamamie, crazy, wild ass ideas are actually functional, but <laughs> um, I think that's where we're headed. If the hobby doesn't die first, oh, did I say that? Oh, 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 oh. shoot that guy! <laughs> uh, um, edit here, delete that. Okay, got it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but the the idea here is that um, it's time we began to rethink um, what it is that we really want out of a pipe and mm -hmm. how much control we can have over the process and. Most of the t mostly we've been smoking pipes. Our hands are tied, and we don't even know it. Yeah, we get we get what we get from the when we buy the pipe, and then we have to. The only manipulation we have over it is how we pack it and how fast we smoke it. Exactly, exactly, so. and um, I'm sure that there could be technological answers for that too. Yeah. Well, Fred, this has been uh, fascinating and uh, somewhat expensive, um, <laughs> but interesting. But and and also at the same time, you're not, you know, you're not saying that you know that everybody that has a pipe has to switch over to one of these and throw away the, uh, you know, throw away all their their classic pipes. You can have. Never, you, I would never. I wouldn't do it. You you could have your flying saucer spaceship and your old horseless carriage and pull a horse with it and yeah or, and all that yeah. stuff. No, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. No, I am not suggesting throw your briar away. None of that kind of crap. I'm just saying that you know um, this is a classic uh, discussion based on what if. Yeah, and you're also not saying that when you wrote your book, The Perfect Smoke, available on Kindle only now, that you wrote it on a typewriter either. You used modern technology for writing it. Well, I used the, <laughs> I used the typewriter that I don't know what was wrong with that typewriter. There were there were certain phrases I was not allowed to use. That typewriter would not allow me to print <laughs> the word bird's eye. I don't know why. <laughs> It would only let me type straight grain. It's a weird typewriter, man. Very strange. Yeah, yeah. And thank God for spell check on the uh, on the original one. <laughs> right. Fred, always a joy to hang out with you. You are uh, a treasure, my friend. We'll be back in just a minute. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. 
They're a way to help you make your mark. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and I believe this whole discussion just proved why I've got almost 100 pipes, because you need something of this and that and this and that. <laughs> anyway, I hope, hope you enjoyed that as much as uh, Fred and I enjoyed doing it. All right, for music, we have uh, sent to us by Tim, and with the upcoming Halloween coming up, uh, this is by an artist named Jonathan Colton, who I was not familiar with. And the album, uh, the song is called um, R.E. Your Brains. So here it is. Fun holiday music. Hey, you Tom, it's Bob from the office down the hall. It's good to see you, buddy. How have you been? Things have been okay for me, except that I'm a zombie now. I really wish you'd let us in. I speak for all of us when I say I understand why you folks might hesitate to submit to our demand. But here's an FYI, you're all gonna die screaming. All we wanna do is eat your brains. We're not unreasonable, I mean no one's gonna eat your eyes. If you open up the door, we'll all come inside and eat your brains. I don't want to nitpick, Tom, but is this really your plan? Spend your whole life locked inside a mall. Maybe that's okay for now, but someday you'll be out. You'll have to make the call I'm not surprised to see you haven't thought it through enough You never had the head for all that bigger picture stuff But Tom, that's what I do And I plan on eating you slowly your eyes All we want to do is eat your brains We're at an impasse here Maybe we should compromise If you open up the door We'll all come inside and eat your brains I'd like to help you Tom in any way I can I should Well, technically I am I guess I am 
the doors I guess we'll table this for now I'm glad to see you take constructive criticism well and Thank you for your time, I know we're all busy as hell And we'll put this thing to bed when I bash your head open All we want to do is eat your brains We're not unreasonable I mean, no one's gonna eat your eyes All we want to do is eat your brains We're at an impasse here Maybe we should compromise Open up the door I'll come inside and eat your brains. Anybody hungry for a snack now? Um, anyway, uh, the artist is Jonathan Colton, J O N J O N A T H A N Colton, C O U L T O N. You can find him on Spotify just like I did. And uh, thanks to Tim for sharing that. What in the hell? You've got mail. In the mailbag, if you have a comment or question, email it to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com, or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com. I'm recording this show the same time I recorded last week's show, so there's really nothing in the mailbag to discuss at this moment. But I will say, if you have a comment or a suggestion for a guest, for a topic, for uh, Jeff Grasick, for Jeremy Reeves, Email them to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and we'll get them on there. Uh, the holidays are coming up. If you've got a Christmas song that you want to hear, well, just let me know, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And uh, please keep sharing the Pipes Magazine radio show wherever you have friends that smoke a pipe. If you don't, you know, if you have friends that don't smoke a pipe, and they, you know, share it with them. So there you go. All right. Rant time is coming up next. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. Cowboy. Cowboy. Thank you.
I have said it in the past that all these companies that are coming out with different flavors, I pick on Oreos in particular, all these different flavors, and M&Ms, all those different flavors are really kind of stupid. All right? You got it? I think they're all kind of stupid. Uh, I think there's three kinds of M&Ms, and then there's one kind of Oreo, and that's it. I think a churro, a churro is basically a straight donut. It's a donut that somebody was too lazy to make into a round thing. Well, here's the latest of going over the edge. Uh, red vines, you know, the, uh, the, the red licorice people, which isn't really red licorice. It's really red candy made out of licorice base, I think. Uh, they've got a version for the holidays called candy corn flavored. Well, candy corn is not a flavor. Candy corn is a freaking shape of a candy. And it's got a flavor to it that is unique to it. And you only eat it this time of the year. And then you get over it and you move on, right? Well, here's Red Vines. They've now made Red Vines in the shape of Red Vines. But they've flavored it as candy corn. It's just a long, straight candy corn. So basically what they're saying is they've smushed candy corns out into a long, skinny stick. And made it the same shape as a Red Vine. Which is basically just saying it's going to be a straight donut well who cares if you want to eat candy corns you want to eat the little candy corn in the little shape and you want to eat the three different colors in a row you know nibble off the white and you go down and you move down and you move down right that's how you want to eat them you don't want to eat them. you can bite them all at once but that's no fun well now with these candy corn flavored red vines i don't know how you nibble off one color and then you eat through it so anyway it's just it's just stupid all right Red vines are red vines. I think there's cherry flavored and then there's regular and they should leave those alone and get over it and just stop being stupid like Oreos and M&Ms and some of those cereal companies. Yeah. All right. I'm done. Yep. Halloween is here. Boo. I uh, do want to thank Jeremy for all the Ask the Blender stuff. Again, if you have questions for Jeremy that you want us to record, just let me know. Brian at PipesMagazine.com. And uh, thank you, a big thank you to Fred Hanna for all the time that he spent with me with all this inside Fred's head stuff and the 21st century pipe. I hope you enjoyed that. So thank you, Fred, very much, even though you may not listen this far in. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Well, look at that. We made it through October without this guy complaining about pumpkin spice.